Hi everyone, welcome back to The Best Messes. This week we'll talk about your birth team options. But first, let's cover the messes of the week. So this week we saw our midwife for a six-week appointment, which is like the last appointment at home. And that was really sad. Yeah, I mean, it made sense why... Not, well, I mean, like I, I expected you to get emotional about it but i didn't expect myself to get emotional about it i like i teared up a bit yeah that was surprising (laughs) was it (laughs) yeah i don't know it was just like it meant a lot to me that i mean i know it meant a lot to you too obviously but when you hurt i hurt when you didn't get the birth that you wanted and that hurt a lot that was really painful for you like seeing having someone like our midwife that helped you get the birth that you wanted that was really like healing for you i don't know i was like i was really grateful to her yeah i'm I'm sad that it was uh <laughs> you know that it's over sad that we're done i mean we have one more meeting with her but one more like optional meeting at the what is it 12 week mark mm-hmm. and that's at at her office but yeah, I mean it's still it's still basically the end <laughs> of interacting with her unless maybe we have another ba- a third baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, it was really sad. And I loved her like an, a great review which when I was reading to you I started crying. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, so I guess um part of that is, you know, we have the the appointment when she's twelve weeks, so it'll be six weeks from in six weeks we'll have we'll see her again. And you know, I'll be asking her about being a doula. Mm-hmm. So I'm so excited for that. I really hope you do it because I feel like it's right up your alley. I feel like you'd be really good at it. I feel like you would enjoy it. Of every job you've had, like you've never I mean there was one where you one job you had where you worked at it for a title company that I mean you did enjoy it but it wasn't like it was still a grind you know like you still weren't excited about getting up in the morning to go to work but you're just so into birth and pregnancy well <laughs> not being pregnant but you know like being knowledgeable about pregnancy and everything that I just feel like you would be a kick-ass doula and you would like doing it because it's just what you're interested in yeah I wasn't like sold on doing it like I you know like I've been going like back and forth talking about it for like what like way before I was even pregnant with her because I remember I was telling your sister about it and I was like hesitant and she was like well just do it and I was like "Eh, I don't know but, you know, after this birth and not getting the correct doula for us, I guess, or, like, not getting, like, our expectations didn't meet her. She wasn't the doula that we were hoping for. Yeah. That was extremely disappointing. So, after that, I was kind of, like, sold that, like, yeah, I'm going to do it because I don't want to be... One, like, people should be able to get some support 
because, you know, not everybody has a support system, but they should be able to, like, have the option to get the birth that they want. And, you know, sometimes a doula can help with that or at least should be able to help with that. Yeah. I hope you do it. Yeah. I think it would bring a lot of value, meaning, and fulfillment to your life. Especially, like, to help women go through something so transformative, so meaningful, so special. I feel like it'd be, it just have so much bigger of an impact on you than, like, checking people in at a hotel <laughs> or <laughs> making sure that the stuff at the title company is accurate or people have their money or whatever. Yeah, and I feel like I'd be able to, like, relate to like pretty much everyone I guess that's giving birth because I've had a c-section and I've had a vaginal birth the only thing I haven't done is given like birth at the hospital but you I did feel have like a c-section but yeah. I know I know what you mean yeah you like you didn't push yeah have a natural birth at the hospital so I feel like I'd be able to, like, relate to them and help out more. And especially, like, for moms that want to, you know, try for, like, a vaginal birth after a C-section or even, like, a home birth after a C-section. But that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, and on last one of last week's messes, we said that our newborn was going through a wonder week and that, like, it was kind of mostly over. And I feel like we were, or I was at least, very, very wrong about that. I don't know if you actually agreed with me thinking that it was pretty much over last week, but man, it is still going on. <laughs> she does not want to sleep. It seems like most of the time that she sleeps, she only sleeps for like 45 minutes. And then she's up for like an hour or sometimes two hours on 45 minutes of sleep. And that should be like almost exactly flipped. It should be she like sleeps for two and is up for one. But it's the other way around. And it's just always like, I don't know. It's when sometimes, but then at night, like she sleeps great. Some, well, maybe about half the time. Like last night, she slept for five, no, she slept for like seven hours straight. Mm -hmm. And then. You know, we woke her up or she woke up on her own once to like feed and everything. And she's gaining weight fine. So it's not like we have to wake her up every two hours or whatever. And then she slept for like another two or two or two and a half hours. That was great. That was the most sleep I've gotten in. At, well, at probably at least since she was born a month and a half. <laughs> or coming up on two months, actually. But yeah, hopefully that changes soon. It's pretty, pretty darn frustrating. Yeah, it's frustrating because, you know, she only falls asleep while we're holding her or, like, wearing her or something. So, you know, like, today, like, my mom was holding her and, like, she was just not falling asleep. So it's just like I can't even do anything. <laughs> yeah, and it's like to to get her to sleep the way that she should, we pretty much need, like you said, we need to be carrying her or holding her. And, like, you know, for some, like, normal amount of time, that's fine. But it's, like, when it's all day, 
it is so hard on your back and arms it's just like this constant flex on your arms and back and it just does not feel good hopefully that'll change um but to kind of temper that a little bit like our our two-year-old or two and a half year old is just obsessed with her <laughs> and it is so cute to see she's just like constantly like the baby it's just so cute yeah she always wants to like hold her or like see her or she you know like whenever like one of us is holding her we're like what it like patting her back or like her chest or something so she is like i guess from constantly seeing us do that she has started to to also pat her like and then while she's patting her, she's just like, what does she say? She's like, you're making the baby feel better or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely cute. Yeah. Like out of all the frustrations and not getting enough sleep and my back killing me, like seeing her be like that is like so worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It turns it from a mess and makes it the best mess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. but yeah that's this week yeah. so i don't know i guess we can get into it of this episode of your birth team options so the first part we'll we'll probably just like define the different options and then we'll kind of go into into more like maybe like some some of like what our opinions are and give them give them more context and talk about like how the US is different from the rest of the world and stuff like that the so the the most common one uh, at least in the US is uh an OBGYN so OB stands for obstetrics which is the the care for women and babies during pregnancy and childbirth and the GYN stands for gynecology, which is a physician who specializes in tra uh, treating female reproductive conditions. So they're pretty closely, the OB and the GYN are pretty closely related, but definitely different. The OBGYN is really just like a, for the most part, a surgeon. And so OBGYNs are definitely like the most common care provider in the u.s so like they you know and they definitely have their place uh but i guess we'll get more into that later on if you have a hospital birth like it's almost guaranteed that like it's you're going to be attended by an OBGYN. Uh, they're probably going to be the one that delivers the baby they're probably the one that you see in the u.s at least they're probably going to be the one that you see all of your like your pregnancy visits uh where they like do ultrasounds and look over them with you and test you for di gestational diabetes and all this stuff okay and then the next option a midwife is a trained health professional who helps healthy women during pregnancy labor delivery and after birth and midwives may deliver babies at birth centers, home, and most of them can also deliver at hospitals. And then you can also have a doula, 
which is a woman typically without formal obstetric training who is employed to provide guidance and support to a pregnant woman during labor. And a doula cannot give you any medical advice. Like, they can only give you, like, their knowledge and, like, I guess their opinion about it, but they cannot tell you what to do when you're pregnant. Like, if you should take the diabetes test or if you should do like what like a screening for something like they can I give you any advice (laughs) they can just tell you you know like what the test does and what like the benefits and risks for it or or something like that so yeah that's a doula to kind of like reiterate that a little bit like the the OBGYN and the midwife are medical professionals different types of medical professionals but they're still medical professionals a doula is not a medical professional in any sense of the word yeah a doula is just a support person to help you either like when you're pregnant during labor and during the birth and maybe a little bit after the birth like they do have um like postpartum doulas that can come in and help you take care of the baby or take care of your house so that you can get some sleep or whatever you need. I feel like I was going to say something else and I forgot, but okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I feel like that's a pr- pretty good covering of those yeah. three. Um, so the next birth team option isn't really like part of your team per se, but it's more so like, not having a team <laughs> um uh and it's a free birth or unassisted birth or DIY birth basically this is just giving birth without having any of those three there well it's intentionally birthing at home without a doctor or a midwife or any other like trained health professional i would imagine these are usually at home are they always at home yeah, I mean, I guess they can happen anywhere. I've seen where some people post that they want to do it, like, at an Airbnb or, like, a hotel or, you know, like, if for some reason their home is not an option, then they look elsewhere. Or some people even, like, just go outside, like, the woods <laughs> or, like, their backyard or whatever. Oh, some people actually, I've seen videos where they even give birth in the ocean. Say what? Mm-hmm. That is weird. Not weird. It's <laughs> weird to me. I think it's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. It is cool and it'd be badass to be able to say that you did that. And like, I would look up to anyone that could do that. But to me, what weirds me out about that is the blood in the water and sharks. <laughs> Well, sharks aren't don't get attracted by blood. It's by the splash that you make. That's why they say to stay still. Everything that I've seen, maybe it's just because it's movies. I don't know. But I've always thought that, man, where's our resident, like, Shark Week expert? <laughs> <laughs> like, I've always thought that it was, I've always heard 
that sharks can smell blood in the water from like a mile away or some something ridiculous like that. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that they get attracted to you. What do you mean? Is what's the point of really? Let me look it up. Yeah, we're gonna Google this. We're gonna get to the bottom of this. So after a quick Google, here's what we found. So you know, it is true that sharks can detect blood from miles away, but they are not attracted to human blood. They will be more attracted to a bleeding animal like a fish or a sea lion than a human being with a cut in the ocean. And this is according to marinelife.org. If you were here with us, you would see me do the little head explosion <laughs> thing with my hand. Yeah, I always thought that too, but I don't know if I I don't know where I saw. I think it was like a TikTok video. You know, me and my TikTok. You and your TikTok. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I think I saw a TikTok video where somebody was, like, grabbing a paddle or, like, something and, like, smacking the, like, water. And then you could see the shark getting closer and then they would stop splashing and then they would kind of, like, go away. Um, I mean, that doesn't really say much about, like, the blood, but... Yeah, like, I think they just sense that, like, the splashing is, like, an injured animal or something, so. Yeah, I mean, I knew the the splashing thing made them think it was, like, an injured fish or something. But, yeah, I thought that, but, yeah, I also thought that it was, like, that they were attracted to blood. That's interesting. Why would they have such a strong sense of blood if... Oh, maybe I guess they well, differentiate the between fish blood yeah, and human blood. Okay. But yeah, but according to marinelife.org, humans are the biggest threat to sharks. No surprise there. Yeah. For the, we're, we're probably the biggest threat to pretty much everything, everything from this planet, <laughs> including the planet. Including humans, too. Right. Including ourselves. Anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, I don't know. I thought if if we had like, if I was like giving birth like during the summer or something, like with her, I I don't know. I feel like I would have wanted to like give birth outside. That'd be kind of cool. That would be really cool. Maybe yeah. next birth. <laughs> if that happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, th- those are, there may be other options out there, but I mean, these are like by far the most common options that anyone ever does to give them a little bit more context a lot of people think that like home births and midwives are like these trendy birth theme options and like birthing options but if you go back in history and like look at it it's it's actually more like obgyns as the birthing providers and, and whatever are actually the trend because up until some point in the 1900s it was pretty much all just midwife attended births and most of them were at home about 95 percent were like all home births in the night in 1900 and that's like an estimate i don't know i guess just because it's so far back in time i i guess they don't really have like yeah. that much information and but it's you know, like, pretty much all births took place outside of the hospital during that time. But then by 1940, 
it went down to 44% of births being at home. And then by 1969, it was at 1%. And then by 2002, or sorry, 2009, it was 0.72%. Yeah, so like you can tell that like the home birth, home births used to be the way to do it. And then they started changing. Um, and so here's here's a little bit of why. So like in 1902, Great Britain set up a central midwives board to train, license, and regulate midwives, which, like, gave midwifery a sense of, like, professionalism, and, like, that's commonly seen throughout Europe. Like, in the U.S. right now, we see OBs as, like, the the, the birthing professionals. Europe sees it the other way around. Um, at the same time that Great Britain set up that board to, like, professionalize midwives, essentially, the U.S. Uh, became, or in the U.S., obstetrics became a widespread medical practice, and hospital births took over. And the OBs waged a public relations war against midwives, and the doctors showed that, like, with their up-to-date knowledge about medicine, hygiene, surgical options, and emergency situations, that they had better birthing outcomes. A, a like an example of that is that in 1926, a prominent doctor wrote that midwives were, quote-unquote, filthy and ignorant. And going to the hospital to give birth became the thing to do if the family could afford it. But then midwife-attended births kind of took a resurgence, or had a rebirth, I guess, (laughs) Uh, in, like, the 1960s or 1970s, and it became something that, like, hippies did but it's becoming more and more mainstream every year. So if for all of those people that want, that think like midwives are the trend and home births are the trend, I think that what the trend actually was, was that OBs became trendy in the 1900s and now they're going to start slowly fading out and we're going to resume back to the midwife attended birth. Yeah, I can't wait for that. I hope that by the time our kids have kids that it'll be like 95% of births are at home or something like that or with midwives at the hospital or something. Yeah. But um but yeah, it's definitely a trend because you know, I feel like everything that is seen is like normal, like birth is normal, breastfeeding is normal is done by everyone and then someone at some point is like no that's gross and then the next thing becomes popular like OBGYNs and having hospital births is only like the cool new thing for the rich people or having formula like using formula is only for the rich people because they can afford the new thing there's this whole that's a whole nother story about yeah. formula. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean I'm just saying that it's definitely like trendy, especially because, you know, like I would always say like, well, women back in the day used to have home births, like with with our first. And then you would say, like, well, yeah, they would die. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like the key is making sh- like, you know, the definition is of a midwife is 
somebody that takes care of a pregnant woman that's healthy, you know, yeah. if they're not healthy, then yeah, they should be seeing an OBGYN. Yeah, there's like there's definitely a a uh, a selective bias for midwives where midwives won't attend I shouldn't speak for all midwives. Maybe there are some that will, I don't know, but like as a whole, midwives don't attend risky births. Or if they do, they're not like the main provider. Midwives are medical professionals. They just don't have like as much training in the risky birth section, and they don't have like all of the same tools that a, that a hospital have would have. But they do have a lot of them. They do have a lot of tools that a hospital have has. Like for example, when you hemorrhaged at home, they gave you pitocin, which is a drug that was designed for stopping hemorrhaging not for inducing labor which is how it's actually used in the hospital mm -hmm. so like that's, that's wild to me that, that that's a thing because like and this is one aspect that we'll probably revisit again um if we do like a hospital versus home birth episode which i think we're gonna do at some point which is that like with every intervention whether it's at home or at the hospital, with every intervention, uh, medical intervention, like being given Pitocin or whatever, it causes your body to do something which has a side effect. And then they need to do some intervention for that side effect. And then that causes your body to do something which has a side effect. And then they need another intervention for that. There's this whole cascading effect of interventions once you start with an intervention. So when a birth is like taking longer than, I don't know, I'm just going to throw a time out there, longer than an hour or two or something, they'll be like, she's not progressing, give her Pitocin. And then all of a sudden she needs a pain management drug. So she gets an epidural and then she's not able to like push properly or something. So they give her a C-section. <laughs> so it's like it all started just because the doctor didn't want to wait. There's nothing wrong with not progressing in a few hours. There may be some like specific cases where I want to throw a disclaimer on this. We're not medical professionals, but like a normal, natural, healthy birth can take all day and be completely fine. There's no issue with that, assuming that there are no other like high risk factors involved. End of tangent. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a tangent yeah, I'm sorry I don't know how you're going to pick up from there <laughs> I think I think honestly that, that that came from being triggered about my reddit post <laughs> <laughs> I, <kept one. laughs> I made a post on reddit about our birth uh, about our your home our home birth and like so many people were like triggered by it or something yeah saying how risky i what we were and how how it was just a bad idea and which know. you know like even if that was like 99.9 percent .9 the riskiest thing to do why do you care yeah just focus yeah like focus on yourself you know because everything worked out like we feel like this is the best way to give birth 
not only did like I was able to give birth after a C-section and most doctors don't allow that, I was able to do it and nothing wrong happened besides a mild hemorrhage that was controlled by our midwives. But it's just like, you know, if I say that a home birth is the safest thing, why are you triggered by it? Like your job as a person is to do research for yourself. <laughs> like yeah. You and then once you do your research, you have to weigh your risk, like how much you're willing to take a risk. And if that you're not comfortable with that, then don't do a home birth. That's easy. Yeah, like we did our risk versus reward evaluation. And and I did like all that research, like probably like a few months postpartum after our first. So I had been doing like research about midwives and home births and everything for like two years before yeah. I even got pregnant so yeah, I was is... very confident in our midwife yeah and like it's fine that like maybe you're not comfortable with it we all do our risk reward evaluations differently like but just because we have a different evaluation of it doesn't mean that mine is wrong and yours is right or vice versa we're just different people but yeah, so I guess now going into it, I remember there was like a comment that said, like, I think you had said something about like, you know, a lot of Europe's or a lot of like people in Europe end up doing like home birth and stuff like that. I don't know if that's exactly what you said, but I have like some, I guess, like percentages here from this. Some stats. Yes. From this website that we can link down. But you know, in the U.S., the births that are attended by midwives are only 4%. While in Europe, the births that are attended by midwives is 75%. That's absolutely, like, that's just such a huge difference there. That's almost 20 times. It's like 18 and change times. And that's just, like, insane, because honestly, like, over, like, I would a thousand percent always choose to do, have a midwife with me. Like, I don't know, like, just, like, their level of, like, care and whatever it's called is, like, so much better, like, so much, so, what is the word? Like, so More much, personable. like, superior than, like, an OBGYN. Like, you know, there's always, like, these TikTok videos <laughs> that are, like, going to my prenatal appointment you wait two hours in the waiting room oh and then they finally like get you in after waiting for two hours and then they're like all right let's measure your baby okay blah, 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 like super quick and then any questions not okay you're good and then they're like out in five minutes mm -hmm. and our midwife you know like we had a whole hour appointment with her sometimes it would even go like over an hour like an hour and 10 minutes or an hour and 15 and she was never like all right so it's been an hour like get the fuck out of here like she she would just answer every question that we had yeah it's like i I remember with your first pregnancy those prenatal appointments were like i don't know we I, we wouldn't wait for two hours in the waiting room but you know we did wait in the waiting room and then like 
they would call us back just like this is just like a regular doctor office like you know like you get called back by some assistant and maybe they weigh you maybe you pee on a cup or something but then you sit alone in this room with the door closed for i don't know how long until the doctor comes in sometimes it's five minutes sometimes it's 20 minutes if they're busy that day or something and then they see you they throw a bunch of info at you and they say you're gonna do this test and this test and then you only see them for five to ten to fifteen minutes but yeah it was night and day just like we with the midwife we walk in the door she's practically standing there waiting for us being like all right come on back then we chat with her for a hundred percent of that full hour and sometimes like you said over and yeah it was just it was very very personable it felt like it felt like a friendship (laughs) she was she was just so personable and just i don't know it felt it felt great it was it was just so much better than seeing it it, like so much less clinical than seeing the ob yeah, which is probably why I cried that last time we saw mm-hmm. her. <laughs> but, yeah, and then there's, like, another number percentage thing. Yeah. The following European countries all have over 75% of their births attended by midwives, but none of them have a higher perimortal mortality rate than the u.s this is including great britain france germany netherlands belgium denmark sweden norway and finland all those countries have over 75 percent of their births attended by midwives and yet none of them have a higher perimortal mortality rate than the u.s moving right on over to free birth and doulas so when it comes to free birth I think I should throw a a trigger warning here based on how how heated some of the online discussions got Trigger warning about free birth and doula <laughs> in case this is uh triggering for you The my first exposure to free birth the free birth community was that doulas could attend a free birth but I'm learning more and more that a lot of people actually strongly believe that a that's still kind of someone attending the birth, quote unquote, so that that isn't really technically considered a free birth if a doula attends. Yeah, so it's just like there's like a few Facebook groups and, you know, about the free birth community where anytime they post and if they have a doula or just mentioning the word doula they put like a trigger warning for the post and it says like trigger warning mentioning a doula so Hmm. yeah i don't know i think it's just probably because they're you know obviously they're not like a medical professional where they can tell you what to do or even help deliver the baby but they you know they are like or at least should be pretty like knowledgeable about birth in general So, I don't know, maybe they just see that as, like, if they're super knowledgeable of birth, then that's kind of, like, a way of having, like, a medical professional, I guess. Especially because, like, you know, like, 
before Ardula, like if she had seen the hemorrhaging and she knew what she what was going on, you know, and if you're with somebody that's doing a free birth, are you really going to stay quiet and just let them hemorrhage? <laughs> no, you're probably going to do something yeah. about it, I would imagine. I don't know. Yeah. Free birthing is all about, like, trusting your maternal instincts, your intuition, and female empowerment, and, you know, trusting evolution and all this stuff, and all of that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I could see why some people would look at someone like a doula that attends a bunch of births and, you know, is probably going to be more knowledgeable than someone that has only been to the birthing, the births of their own kids and look at that and say, like, they may have recommendations or something that might go against that mother's intuition or gut feeling at the moment or whatever. Yeah. Because, I mean, I definitely, you know, one of the things that I told our midwife was that I didn't want to watch, like, any, like, breathing exercise videos or, like, things to do to, like, prepare for birth. Because I really wanted to just let my body do its thing and just let, like, my instincts kick in if they did. And, like, I told her, like, you know, like, I only want you to give me your suggestions if you, like, think I really need them. Like, if I'm struggling to, like, progress in a certain position, then, like, obviously offer me, like, a different position tip or whatever. And, you know, like, she pretty much did that. She, like, let me do my thing and was like, hey, how about we try this position for your next contraction? And we'll see if you like it. So it was everything about me and if I like it. Not like, you have to do this. And yeah, I remember like I tried the position that she offered and I hated it. So I think I only did it for like, I don't know, like maybe like one one to five contractions maybe. And then I switched because I think that's when I, I ended up asking her to check me again. And after she checked me, then I just ended up staying kind of like lean back a little bit, kind of like in a sitting position. And like that, yeah, like that just felt super comfortable for me. Like obviously it wasn't comfortable for my arms, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I really like that she just let me do my own thing. Yeah. Because I just wanted to see if that would happen or if I would need like a lot of help. Yeah. I think that's pretty much everything we really wanted to say this episode. It's yeah. a pretty short one. Mm-hmm. But um, I think maybe we should circle back just a little bit on the midwife and doula thing. Sorry, the midwife and OBGYN thing. And it's that like OBGYNs absolutely do have their place. We obviously prefer midwives over OBGYNs for, you know, our situation. But like there are definitely risky situations that a midwife is not trained for where a c-section would actually be medically necessary so like they definitely have their place i'm not saying you shouldn't go to one or anything but um yeah you just do your own risk evaluation and yeah if you're if you think like if you're an overall healthy person and you're not digging the OBGYN 
vibe and you'd like to maybe be more natural, like you don't have to feel afraid about seeing a midwife. Interview a midwife and talk to them about it. It's a great option for anyone that like is looking for something more natural. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm definitely more against <laughs> OBGYNs. <laughs> so I would definitely never recommend an OBGYN for pregnancy or, yeah, for like pregnancy or birth, unless it's like absolutely necessary. And that's just my opinion. If you don't agree with that, then I would hope that you would do your own research for you know, for your own body, for your own family, like, you need to do what's best for your family. I don't know why people got so offended about preferences, <laughs> like, do your own research, people. Yeah. If you don't agree with something, then do your own research, and yeah, that's all I can say, just do your research. Yeah. And then take whatever, whatever precautions you need to take, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, short short episode this week, but um you know next week's episode we're going to do uh another we're going to switch it up a bit. We're going to do a Reddit am I the asshole pregnancy edition. I'll switch it up and have a little fun this time. <laughs> yeah. We're going to pick out a few am I the assholes related to pregnancy and chat about it. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Best Messes. If you know anyone that might be interested in our show, spread the word. It would mean a lot to us. Also, if you think of a topic you'd like to hear about, or if you have some feedback for us, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to email us at thebestmesses at gmail.com. That's it for this episode. Thanks again for listening, and... We'll see you next mess. mess.